right, let's let's go to the Lord in prayer once more. Father, we come before you this morning and we come with joy in our hearts because this is a joyous morning. We thank you that we can come and gather together and celebrate the birth of our Savior. Uh, Father, we, we come and recognize we don't, we're not a people that are gathering here in this building who are worthy of what you have done. We recognize it's grace. It's your mercy. And so we come, even now, humbled by these truths, by these facts. And so, Father, as we come to your word now, may we come with that as our heart and and with that as our disposition. Even a, a demeanor, a mind that is humbled and coming in humility. And so help us, Father. May you help us that our hope would be steadfastly in Christ. So bless this time, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning I want to begin by expressly focusing on a theme that we see in Scripture. So I want to help us see and even glory in God's unfolding redemptive plan that as we come this morning and we come to celebrate the birth of Christ, Christmas, it will cause us to glory in what God has done all the more. Now I don't know If you're like me, but I love to read, and I love to read a good book every so often, fiction or nonfiction, Um, and so I enjoy reading. So recently I was listening, if you'll count that, an audio book. I know some of you out there probably will not count it as reading, but I do. Anyway, so I was, my wife does uh, count it. Do you count it? All right, well... You do not count it as reading. So there we go. Um, So recently, um, I was listening to a series of fictional audio books uh, by many who you will probably recognize by H.G. Wells. So um, these fictional books, you'll recognize them many ways as movies. They were uh, books like, uh, you know, The Invisible Man, uh, The Time Machine, you know, The War of the Worlds. Well, as I listened... I could really connect some themes in his books. Now, I don't agree with all that he says and many of the things that, even how he views the world. Um, But as you read more and more of his stories, various themes begin unfolding in greater detail as you listen or read his stories. Well, similarly, you know, as you read scripture, there are certain themes that God, he has put there very specifically, very carefully, and by his good providence, themes that direct our eyes forward to something greater. So let me show you one, especially because we'll see it again this morning as we turn to our 
passage here in a moment. Um, now, over these last few weeks, preparing for Christmas, our children would recognize these words. I'm getting ready to share with you because I've emphasized them to them, saying, listen for these words as I read these passages and see this theme that God has put in Scripture. So I'll encourage you to do the same. So these words of offspring, child, barren, and the Lord's doing, Lord's granting, the Lord's providing. So let me read a few scriptures here. So Genesis 3.15, God, talking to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Genesis 21, 1 through 2. Of course, Sarah was not able to have children. And so this is Abraham and Sarah. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age. At the time of which God had spoken to him. Genesis 25. Isaac. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer. And Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Judges 13, 2-3, speaking of Samson. There's a certain man of Zorah of the tribe of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not borne children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Sound familiar? Ruth chapter 4 verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her and the Lord gave her, the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Last one, Isaiah 9.6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So in the midst of of our lack of peace. Genesis 3. World undone. Brokenness entering every sphere of our lives. Our homes, our workplaces, our families, our children. Death, sickness. In the midst of our lack of peace, God, He points forward to this one who would be Prince of Peace. So God, He has set forth an emphasis hundreds and hundreds of years over and over again on a child. An offspring who would come, who would come and would be Savior. Who would crush the serpent's head. 
So with that theme before us, offspring, child, the Lord granting it. Let's turn to Luke chapter 1, verses 26-33. And here, as I read God's plan for deliverance announced, may God open our hearts to behold Him. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob Forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Amen. Well, here, first, we need to see, and we see, a grand announcement. A grand announcement that carries with it themes that spanned the history of redemption. An announcement that would be light in the midst of darkness. So here, we have a grand announcement indeed. The angel Gabriel came to a little town, to an even lesser known woman, and declared God's extraordinary message. Before the angel Gabriel came to Mary, though, in the verses before this, which did not read, but are in many ways very important in understanding these verses, he announced another birth, the birth of John the Baptist. Now, there are a number of similarities between these two announcements here, but more than that, what we see is we see a contrast between these two announcements that are given. So, Zechariah, he would respond with doubt, but Mary would respond in faith. 
So Zechariah, he, he was a priest in Jerusalem. Mary, she was a woman in Nazareth. One was old, the other was young, and young in the way of probably even in her teens, perhaps even 13 or 14. One was married for many years, the other betrothed and a virgin. So what can we say about all this? We can say that whether high or low, God will do as He pleases. People knew of Jerusalem. They knew of priests. They knew of the temple, but they did not know much, if anything, of this obscure city of Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Was the saying. Yet there in this little known city, this grand announcement would come from Nazareth, from Mary, the Savior of the world, would come. So here, we need to humbly recognize God's ways are greater than our ways. This woman, Mary, was unknown, but she was known by God. Mary was of little worldly account. She was young, like I said before, and so young you wouldn't even think of her, yet God knows her. And she was a a virgin, which in today's terms would be a laughing matter. A virgin? You're pure? They wouldn't call that pure, by the way, today. They would call that, you're a nerd, you're, you know, it'd be embarrassing to tell someone you're a virgin today. That's not the way God works. God sees this, and she is pure before the Lord. There are men and women you will never hear about. They will not be in the papers or on the news. They won't have movies made about them, but they are known by God. While the world may not consider you of great account, dear friend, You are of account to Him. Be faithful to Him. Be His servant and see what works God will do for His glory through you. A woman of no account who our world would laugh at. May God use you like He has used her. But note well, here, all that Gabriel announces here, we need, not, we need to make sure we get this right. This will be the work of God. We've already been told twice, Mary was a virgin. She had not been with another man, though she was betrothed to Joseph. You know, betrothal was a legal agreement that would set Mary aside to uh, to Joseph and to be Joseph's wife. She would even be called his wife until they would consummate their marriage with the marriage ceremony. And so, this birth announcement, though, 
is different from the others that we saw. Isn't it? I mean, the Lord, throughout history, Abraham, Isaac, Ruth, Samson, and so on, He is the one who granted miraculously this conception with all these different people throughout all of history. But, here, well then, it was with man, husband, wife. But here, God would conceive this child apart from Joseph. This will be a work entirely of God. Mary will do nothing. Joseph will do nothing. This will be from God or nothing. And so hence, behold, a salvation all of God. God is trying to show us from the beginning until the end that salvation is from Him. There is no boasting in anyone else. To Him be the glory and no other. This is not something that we could have done if it's not obvious enough. Nor would we have done it this way. So he gets all the glory. Any other way, and it would have been a man-made way. And so what would that have been? That would have been worthless. That is exactly what people are doing everywhere. The religions of this world... That's what they're doing. Man-made, demonic, demonically influenced, and totally devoid of actually knowing God. But God would do the work, and He would manifest His love, not because we loved Him, but because He loved us. And this, this will be the child. This will be the child. All the promises of God are yes in Him. He is the one. He is the offspring. He is the one who would crush the serpent's head. And He comes as the Davidic King promised of old. And His kingdom will never end. This is the one. You know, even now, you know, people, they are looking, even this moment, even this day, they are looking for a deliverer. Right? I mean, the most well-known stories and movies, you know, they have kind of an angst about them, right? An expectation of someone who will come, who will make all things right. Who will deliver us? Well, you know, I, I haven't seen the new Star Wars movie yet, and maybe you have. Uh, I wanted to, but alas, I'll have to wait. Um, but The Last Jedi, I'm sure you know of it. Uh, but, the whole, but the whole series of movies, all the Star Wars movies, they are set within an expectation of someone who will come to deliver them. You know, the upcoming election, you know, people are looking for a deliverer. Will this president finally deliver us? Well, I can tell you the answer right now. Recently, environmental activist Greta Thunberg was named Time Magazine's Person of the Year. Well, will she deliver us? That's what you see. I mean, you see it everywhere. 
There's this angst, a longing for deliverance from this broken, sin-stained world and our broken, sin-stained selves. I am a mess. Who will save me? Who will deliver us from this war? From this world? And all of its brokenness and loss. Well, here... We don't have another fallen, broken, so-called deliverer. But here we have the deliverer. We have our answer. The child is the deliverer. He is the one. Hope has come. Look no further than him. Nations, they will rise. They will fall. Even ours. Cities will be built and they will crumble, but His kingdom will never fall nor crumble. What kingdom do you want to be a part of? This one will not endure. Whether you're here or in Russia, North Korea, China, it's not going to last So God has set up a kingdom with the one who is the deliverer, who is to be our hope. And he is saying to you this morning, may you hope in him. But, as the narrative continues here, with Mary's uh, question, she she gives this humble question. How will this be since I am a virgin? And, and that's an appropriate question, right? I mean, who would not wonder about all these things that she has just been told? So she's not in error in asking this. I mean, what? How is this going to happen? Um, you know, she would not be with Joseph until they were married. Um, and so how is this going to happen? Well, Again, God is saying, I will do the work. The Holy Spirit will come upon her, would overshadow her, such that this child would be different. God and man. This child would be holy. And we are meant to see that. In this text, the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. Why is that important? He will not inherit the sin nature that we are born with. You are born into this world, fallen, broken, sinful. But he would not be. He would be born of God. His cry would be a holy cry. Can you imagine that? Your baby... Crying a holy cry? His hunger would be a holy hunger. Never gluttonous, never too much. Always appropriate, always the right time. His learning would be a holy learning. Not puffed up and look at me. His words would be holy words. Not despicable, dirty, ungodly words. His life would be a holy life. Just like none of us are. 
That's just what we need. Where through Adam we were all made sinners through Christ. The second Adam, through faith in Him, we would be declared righteous. We would be declared holy before God. So we say with great conviction, we believe in the virgin birth. You I take this away. Oh my. We believe. But see here, Mary's question is a humble question. She does not come here defying a virgin birth, but she comes. And how does she come? She comes in faith. Just tell me, I wonder how you're going to do it. I'm not asking if you're going to do it or that you're able to do it. How is this going to be? She comes in faith. In her question here, it's, it's actually awfully similar to Zacharias, which is interesting in chapter 1. You know, he asked there, Zechariah, and this is the question that gets him in trouble. <laughs> How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Sounds very similar. But at the same time, the response was different. He was rebuked by the angel Gabriel. He was even made where he could not speak. So what was the difference? Well, Zechariah's question was a question born out of doubt. While Mary's question was a question born out of faith. Zechariah asks for a sign. Mary does not, and she is given one anyway. Elizabeth, also in her old age, has conceived and has a son. Will have a son. So, our heart intent matters. And what an example Mary is for us here. How will this be since I am a virgin? And so also may you come before this grand announcement with a humble heart. And you may be sitting there and you're just fuming at this. You may be laughing at the notion of a virgin birth. You may be offended that you have been called a sinner this morning. But God, He is calling you to examine your heart this morning. For nothing will be impossible with God. This exhortation is for you. Is your issue with these words or with having to humbly admit that you are not God. That your way is actually not best. That you have offended the holy God. And you need to be made right with Him. Well, let me tell you what. You are not alone. Every person who, here, who, who is here who knows Jesus has had to say the same thing about themselves too. I am a sinner. I am not God. My way is not best. During high school, I remember you know, being in my computer class. I don't, I don't know why this, this specific memory always just stayed with me, but specifically at that time, I said to myself, 
I will not. And it was a computer class. Why came then? I will not believe these things. I won't do them or have anything to do with them. From that point on, it was ugly what I, how I walked. So you're not alone. I'm up here. But friend, this is how we got where we are. Satan, what did he say? You will be like God. Don't believe it. May it be that you come to this message, this announcement, even now, humbling yourself under it, for nothing will be impossible with God. It is the declaration of God for your eternal, everlasting good. And this leads us to the last point here, and the next point, a humble response. May we learn from Mary's humble response. I mean, what an incredible response this is. Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Wow. And she says this, regardless of what lies ahead. The questions she's going to be asked, the accusations, the looks, the possibility of divorce from Joseph. We read that in Matthew 1. He's going to divorce her. And she accepts God's good will. Not having any of those answers. And she says, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Here I am, Lord. Send me, Father, not my will, but yours be done. Incredible. What faith. And may you and I come with such a faith-filled May you and I come with a believing heart. Believe and glory in what God has done. And you may be doubting and wrangling with all this, wondering about it all, but Christ has come. If you haven't yet, one day you will cry out, only if there were someone to deliver us, there were someone to deliver me. It may not be today. Maybe it will be on your deathbed. And God forbid it never comes. Let me tell you, the Deliverer has come. He lived and He died and He rose again to save sinners. Every person in this room. And every person in this world. So will you simply come to the one who has come to deliver you? He is true. He is holy. He is the one. He is the child. He is the deliverer. He is the hope. He is the life. He is the light. He is the son of the most high. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And he and he alone can save. So will you humbly respond to the Savior this morning? With a believing heart like Mary, will you cry out to God, Behold, I am a sinner. I repent and believe the Gospel. Jesus 
is the deliverer. And may it be that he would be your deliverer. I pray he would. The offspring, the child, the Savior has come. Good news of great joy for all peoples. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for glorious news. The greatest news in all the world. We know even as we reflect upon the birth of Christ, we cannot look at the birth of Christ without also seeing the reason why He came. He came to save us from our sins. And He died, was buried, and rose again to bear the weight of our sins upon Himself. To bear the weight of the wrath of God upon Himself that we deserve. And Father, we thank You for Your mercy. We thank You for Your tremendous grace. How great it is. Thank You that You have graciously saved many. So many. And we thank You and we pray for any here who do not know You that even now that they would consider themselves and consider how they are also called to come to this deliver, to humbly respond, to humbly believe. We know that all things are possible with you. So Father, we pray for your hand. We rejoice in your Son. And we pray that you would help any here respond this morning who need to respond. In Jesus' name, amen.